One of the cool things about launching a podcast is you get connected with other podcasters fairly quickly, especially those who are in the same industry as you. That's what happened when I joined Adrian Chapman, host of the Recruiting Stories podcast, and we got to dive into how I got started in the logistics industry, the mistakes most companies make with their website, and the lessons I've learned along the way, kind of the hard way, a lot in the hard way in my marketing career. This was a great combo with Adrian, and if you like this interview, be sure to check out his other episodes, which I link to in the show notes. Part of his show's bio is, at some point, we were all just undiscovered, but recruiting creates a fork in the road, which I really love, and it really resonated with me, as I think we can all sort of connect with the origin stories from everyone else in the industry that we're starting to hear more and more of. Adrian also runs Cover 3 Recruiting, which helps you build championship teams for a greater purpose. I also link to that in the show notes in case you want to check that out. He obviously comes from a sports background since his business name is Cover 3 Recruiting. So we gelled pretty well on this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the <laughs> Recruiting Stories podcast brought to you by uh, Cover 3 Consulting. Excited. We've got Blythe Brumleaf. She is the owner of the D- Digital Dispatch. Um, they do website design and marketing services in the transportation and logistics space. Welcome, Blythe. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, well, just to start, um, if you don't mind, we'd love to have you just tell us a little bit about uh, Digital Dispatch um, and, and what you do there. I know you've got your hands in a few different jars. So would you mind just kind of explaining a little bit about where you're at and what you do? Sure. So I got started in the, well, I, I started my, my own agency about four years ago called Brumley Brands. And uh, after spending, you know, the better part of the last 10 plus years in the logistics space, I quickly learned that with Brumley Brands, I needed to differentiate myself from anybody who's going to give me a check and yeah. pay for this freelancing lifestyle. After you go out on your own, you're kind of just yeah. concerned about, you know, where the next check is going to come from. Right. So I figured out pretty quickly once that that concern was eased, I, I was like, I need to focus, you know, specifically on, on where I am the most useful and having my experience be in the logistics field for the better part of the last 10 years. I said, well, it, it probably should be logistics and, and freight because that's the industry I know. I know that tech is a big need in this industry. It has exploded over the last few years. Uh, but what really remains is that that difficult online presence and, and how do you make yourself stand out compared to every other carrier out there, every other 3PL that's out there. Um, and the number one way to do that is through your branding and through your website. Um, so Digital Dispatch was born about three years ago, coming up on our three-year anniversary here in August. So it's been a little bit of a wild ride. Um, got a lot of different opportunities from it. Um, but that, that's it in a nutshell is that I provide website design and marketing services and consulting services um, to those logistics and transportation folks that need it. That's awesome. That's very cool. I, so I just ran a, a poll um, on on LinkedIn because obviously I'm in the recruiting space, right? Cover three, we recruit in the transportation logistics industry. And, um, and I also read an article um, with some research on this too. But the whole um, idea behind it was like, this, as soon as a prospect learns about a new job opportunity, the first place they go is where it goes to a, like it's 2021 where you go to a website. Right. And so, so many times that will just like make or break an experience 
for um, a prospective both client and candidate because you know they're they're looking at that as like, hey, can I see myself there? Um, and I'm sure you see that every every day in what you do. Yeah, especially it, that's such a difficult thing I think for a lot of companies to grasp because they've been doing their business and doing it well. A lot of these different companies are are almost legacy companies that they've been around for twenty plus years. So a website has never been the core of of right. how they operate and how they recruit and how they get you know more eyeballs on their brand and thus get more employees wanting to work for them. So it's it's one of those things that over the last handful of years has really started to sort of rise to the scene. And for a lot of these companies, especially over the last year, now they've recognized the importance of their their tech, the importance of their online brand, and transitioning their messaging into this new modern environment where the majority of the workforce will probably be remote for the foreseeable future, probably forever. So having, you know, being able to display how your company is different, the, um, the culture within the company, which is difficult, to to sort of manifest on a remote level, but there are companies out there that are doing it really well. And and so being able to display your expertise, your subject matter experts on a property that you own, not a Facebook page, not a LinkedIn page, you don't own those properties, you own your website. And so being able to get that messaging out on your social media platforms, of course, but also having that message resonate on your website is, is incredibly important. So we're going to dig into that more and and um, so important, I, you know, I'm here in just a minute because I want to talk through Blythe to talk to Blythe and her, her expertise there. Um, but just to follow up on that, like if I'm hungry, like I pull out my phone to figure out where the sub shops are, or the pizza shops are right. Like it's just like such a necessity to have a presence that is meaningful and matters and is clear and concise. So I can't wait to dig into that more before we go there. Um, you know, obviously I want to talk through your recruiting story as in like, how did you get into logistics and transportation? So walk me through that. Like you said, Hey, I've been, you know, in or connected to the industry for like the better part of 10 years. Like how did you, who so I've also noticed obviously you're in, uh, done some sports and entertainment stuff and broadcasting. Talk me through some of your background. How did you end up in logistics of all places? Sure. So about more, well, actually more than 10 years ago, I think it was back in 2007, I was a waitress. So I I had been waiting tables for years. Um, I knew that I wanted to be a business owner. And so waitressing was a pathway to give me the freedom to, you know, be able to to have those connections with people, but then also be able to, to have the steady income and then also have the flexibility to work on my side hustle and in hopes that it will ultimately become a full-time hustle. So I started up the website called guysgirl.com. It was a sports and entertainment website geared towards women to help them understand the game more, um, especially football-related, um, you know, Star Wars, video games, all that yeah. good stuff. Because I was facing difficulties with enjoying these things, but not having any of my girlfriends to enjoy them with or with me. So I, I really created it with the idea that I would teach other women about the foundational aspects of these different industries and how there are a lot of fun and there are a lot of, it, it's really entertaining and you should come with me to these different events. But that was also around the same time that different social media platforms started popping up. So Twitter was one of the bigger ones that I joined right off the bat. I joined back in 2009 and I think Twitter launched in 2008. 
So it was one of those things that I hopped on early to that platform and was able to connect with a lot of different women who already shared in my interests. So I quickly learned that the the focus of that website shouldn't necessarily be about teaching. It should be about um, the, the greater awareness of different stories and things that are going on in each of these big time industries. So I started doing that. And in the meantime, I was offered a job as an executive assistant. And it was an executive assistant at a 3PL. And so I took the job with the idea thinking that I wouldn't have to sit down at a computer all day. That's what I love so much about waitressing is that I didn't have to be stuck sitting down all day. And, you know, of course, like flash forward to present day, that's essentially all I do now is sit down in front of a computer. Um, But once my boss at the time um, at the 3PL, he learned what I was doing on the side. And this was still in 2009. So he was like, well, you should start doing that for our company. You should make our website. You should get us on all these social media platforms. And so he really was the one to invest in me and to send me to like all of these different conferences to learn, you know, what social media is and how it's sort of a the evolution of a, you know, a, a digital handshake. And so I really got that firsthand experience from my boss at the time. And I ended up doing that for, for their company for five years and until unfortunately they closed down. Um, but I still gathered a lot of experience from doing that firsthand, managing the marketing and the website uh, for $140 million 3PL brokerage. Yeah. So it was it was a really like a sort of trial by fire. Right. And so when that ended, it was one of those moments where it was like, okay, well, do I pursue my side hustle full time? Mm -hmm. And it sort of evolved into getting an opportunity to work at a local magazine here in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, got a a job opportunity with them, Uh, ended up becoming their editor in chief. And so that was a a tremendous amount of, of new insight that I was able to get in both the print world, but also the way that editorial and sales kind of play off of each other. So monetizing content and how to you know structure a story differently. Uh, so it, it was learning that way first, and then from the writing perspective and the management perspective. But then also about two years later, after starting that job, there is a local radio station here in town and a sports radio station, and they were starting up an all female football show, the first one in the entire country, hosted by all women. And so when one of the business partners at the magazine found out about it, they said, "Well, oh." we have the perfect girl for you. Put me in contact with them. I had never done any kind of radio broadcasting, <laughs> not barely anything on TV. I got like a couple hits, you know, with my with my website because of, you know, the sports entertainment angle, but they brought me on. It was supposed to be a test run. I guess they liked what I had to bring to the table. So they had me on as a full-time host. And so I did that for the better part of five years. And in between there... I left the magazine and ended up going back to work because if we back up a little bit, the, my old boss, who's who was the CEO of that company that went yeah. out of business, he started up another transportation cool. company because that's all he ever knew. He was a former truck mm-hmm. driver that became an executive and ended up buying out his, you know, the different companies that he's worked for. Um, so I went back and worked for him, but it sort of got to a place where, and that was a tradition, uh, I, I, I guess it's, 
traditionally thought of as a 4PL. Um, So I went back and worked for him and I worked for him for about a year and a half and he finally was just fed up. And he said, it's time for you to go out on your own. I can't, you're not, you're you're hitting a ceiling here Mm -hmm. and I can't help you anymore and you're aggravating me. (laughs) So he kind of told me it was time for time for him to push me out of the nest and for me to, to start my own. And that's that's how it happened. I ended up starting up uh, Brumley awesome. Brands and then that led into Digital Dispatch. Um, and he was one of my first customers and one of my first clients. So I'm, I'm very, cool. very happy on the path that he initially helped me out on and, and invested in me from an educational standpoint, helping me learn the ropes. We were the, the second company, second logistics company to join HubSpot's platform. Um, wow. So it was very early on in the process that we were early to the game. So I, I really give a ton of credit to him for for buying into um, what was probably thought of as super crazy in the logistics yeah, yeah. space 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's two, I mean, there's a, a bunch of things that, that like pop out. But one of the things is like um, your, your boss obviously was a major um, factor in how you ended up where you were and even your growth and development. It's like, you know, had that connection not formed and happened, like you may not, it sounds like you may not have ever been connected or found the logistics industry, right? Probably not. Um, because I, I, being an executive assistant, of course you're doing, you know, some of the stuff that isn't so glamorous. So you're going and picking up dry cleaning, you're dropping mm-hmm. off bank deposits. This was before, you know, mobile deposits for right. a thing. Um, so doing those less glamorous things, but it also, the way my desk was positioned in the office, Everybody had to walk by my desk in order to get to the CEO's office, who was also right next to the COO and the CFO. So I was able, as somebody who wanted to own their own business and see it grow, I was able to see firsthand how the day-to-day operations of a very successful business is run. And and that is the valuable insight that I take from that because it it, it was one of those things where I would even approach, even to this day, I just had a conversation with him last week because he's familiar with buying companies and selling companies. And I've recently been approached about buying company and I have no idea how any of this works, <laughs> right, but he yeah. was the first person I thought of and the first person I'm going to reach out to. Um, so it's still serving in that mentorship role, um, even though I'm not involved in the you know the day to day aspects anymore. But it, that those lessons were invaluable, especially when unfortunately the company did end up closing after five years due to a lot of mismanagement. So I I recognize those things ahead of time now, so I can mm-hmm. avoid those in running my own business. Which I think, I mean, that's, that's crucial. There's, you know, a few things that you stated throughout your, that's your journey that I I loved. And one of the main themes I've heard is you're not afraid to take a chance, right? Like one one of them is, yeah, I'll go work for a a logistics company when, you know, um, most people I've ever spoken to, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't sound like you were probably like, hey, logistics is where I'm going. No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. So you took that chance and, because you took that chance, it completely changed its trajectory. Uh, and then being humble enough to say, hey, here, I, hey, I'm going to do this where I'm at right now. And I'm going to take each step while I can and learn from where I am rather than trying to get too far ahead of yourself uh, are some things that I, I've heard. So, 
And that I really to to go back to to him for example, he was a former truck driver and mm-hmm. worked his way up at a company and eventually was able to earn enough money to buy out the other executives and own that company. And then he sold that company to a big time logistics company mm-hmm. like an overseas uh, maritime company. And he was so frustrated with the process after the buyout because he wasn't able to have those close connections with his employees. So all of a sudden he finds himself on an executive level floor and he's not able to talk with his brokerage team. He's not able to talk with his sales team on a daily basis. And that's what he thrived off of. So seeing all of that level of frustration and then seeing him build up another company again has been incredible to watch. And and I take a lot of inspiration from that, that, you know, just because, you know, your, your wings might be clipped for a little bit. It doesn't mean that they have to, you know, it, it, you're going to experience these, these struggles when owning a business. And it's, it's as cliche as it sounds, it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it only takes, you know, I, I always having been in sale and even recruiting, it only takes one, one big sale for you mm-hmm. to be a, a success, right? You have one big win and all of a sudden um, you're that overnight success. Exactly. Uh, but, but you've got to take risk to do that, uh, which it sounds like obviously um, that, that you've been able to do. So that's awesome. I appreciate you walking through uh, the story. Um, where you are today, um, as there, besides obviously that person, has there been anybody else that's been extremely impactful to your journey? Um, that's kind of helped you be like, Hey, that was an inspiration kind of helped me kind of vision here where I want to go. I think for a, a lot of my family members, it's, it's a very blue collar family. So um, I have my my grandfather who was a tow truck driver for years and he had a couple clients that he worked with and he never hired anybody. He experimented with hiring and then never hired again because he thought it was too much of a struggle. And then my dad on the flip side has this same experience where he owns a lawn company and he's run a lawn company for the better part of the last 35 plus years. And and he doesn't want to hire anybody. And so it's one of those situations where you can learn from a guy who know who empowers his team and invests in them and to see the growth and the risk associated with that. But then on the flip side, from my family's perspective, I can also see the benefits of, of just being a solopreneur and, mm-hmm. and the benefits of, of having that kind of lifestyle where you don't have to worry about employees. And so for me, especially in, you know, a I, I technically you can call this a post-COVID world. I I love to yeah. be able to see the synergies between both of those, where you can still inspire people and you can still educate them, but you can do it in a way that um, you're not worrying yourself up, you know, up late at night worrying about how you're going to make payroll um, because you know a global pandemic happens. So it's right. it's one of those things where it's like I, I think that I can now blend both of those worlds together where a year ago I would have said I want to be a solopreneur forever. Whereas now it's like, well, I can help and teach people and and bring in other aspects of how I've learned how to run a business from all different aspects of life. I can relate to that completely with cover three. I mean, there's, you know, um, there, there's a piece of uh, that there's some simplicity, right. In, in, in kind of saying, Hey, I can control this, right. I can control, you know, when to turn the faucet on and when to turn it off. Um, but at the same time, there's something I would almost call it like, it's almost like a um, responsibility, even like, Hey, if I have this, if I have this gift, skills, talent, ability, and opportunity, um, should I, 
pass that on to the next guy or gal and kind of help provide more opportunities, um, help them scale and, and take their abilities to the next level, you know, care for their families, so on and so forth. So there's a balance, I think, to do responsibly, but certainly, um, you know, finding people who are, or have been there is, uh, is important. And I think that especially the shift that we've seen over the last year, so many more people are starting their own thing. They're starting their own, you know, sort of solo business. And so how do you partner more with those people versus the, the traditional model of, you know, say I I'm a marketing person. There's the next hire that I make. Is it going to be a, a technology hire? Is it going to be a sales hire? I don't know, but there's less risk involved if I were to partner with another company and have them provide those assets for me. And then I learn the ropes and just continue to build from there where eventually I get to a point where I can hire somebody, you know, quote unquote, internally, but still be able to take advantage of working remotely and working from different locations and different time zones and things like that. 100%. I mean, you and I probably both have similar conversations with um, the, you know, logistics companies that we work with in the sense that like, yeah, I mean, you may have an internal team or you may be considering having an internal team to handle marketing or to to handle recruiting, right? But um, there is a time when it doesn't make sense for you to uh, to go spend resources to develop someone who may not have that skill set to where, you know, as an expert, what I do every single day could walk in the door as a, as a guide. I used a fishing guide example all the time. I can take you right to where the fish are, right? Mm-hmm. I know exactly where the fish are and I can get you the fish that you need right now. Whereas somebody else may not quite ha- have that. And, and that's okay. You may not use me forever, right? Um, but it may be smart, maybe wise, um, you know, to say, hey, let's, let's connect, let's work together, let's help lift one another up for a moment. Um, and if that creates a long-term partnership, fantastic. If it doesn't, um, you know, that's okay too. Hopefully you got to the level that you want to be at. Right. Because it's all, I mean, it's all trying to grow and trying to build your business. And and you want to try to do that in in the way that the world is evolving. And working this way for me has has worked for a little while. Um, parts of 2020 weren't all that great. You know, marketing <laughs> services is one of those things that is sure. immediately cut from a business <laughs> when times get tough. And so even though I would disagree with that philosophy 100%, because um, I think you also you always need to be, you know, putting your brand out there and putting your messaging out there. Um, but on the flip side, that that's an easy thing for a lot of companies to say, okay, we can't focus on this right now. We have to focus our efforts on, on where um, we are best suited to succeed. And then when we get to a good place again, then we'll, we can reinvest in those, the, those different infrastructures and those different strategies. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, okay, so let's dig more into the mind uh, of Blythe and uh, what makes her an expert. So I wanna, I'm excited about this because I'm hoping to learn a bunch too. Um, you know, one of the things I see from a recruiting standpoint, um, sometimes, you know, I might work with an organization, um, you know, and they want to recruit and they want to get a home run hitter, um, but they've got a website from 1995, right? Like it's old school, right? So in in your mind and your perspective, like what's the most important thing, you know, a company could do to attract the talent that they need, um, you know, using their brand, using their um, digital services um, in your point of view? Well, I mean, I, at first, I, I'm not just saying this because I sell website design service, but 
get a new website. Um, it is very cost effective to do that right now. If you are um, not tech savvy, you can do what, my, you know, the, the, the company that I worked for years ago, what they did, they put the executive assistant in charge of yeah. that kind of, because they knew that I, I was tech savvy. They knew that I was fluent in social media platforms. So they put me in charge of it and I figured it out. It was my job to figure it out. And so for, I think a lot of these different companies, if they try to go to a more established like marketing agency, you're they're going to tell you to spend, you know, 10 to 20K on a website and branding and all these bells and whistles. When the reality is, is that most companies don't need all that. They just need to be able to have a functional website that's mobile responsive. That's the biggest thing is being able to have a mobile responsive website that shows pictures of your team. It shows what you value, um, positions that you're hiring for, um, and what the company culture is all about, what those expectations look like for you. And so that way, putting that message on a website, that could cost you under a grand tops. I mean, you can buy a website. You can get free website templates out there right now and just pay somebody on you know, Fiverr or Upwork in order to install that for 50 bucks. I mean, and sure. you would yeah. be responsible for editing the rest of it. Um, but by, by and large, your website has to be there and has to, to be a core function of how you're, you're marketing yourself, how you're trying to recruit drivers, how you're trying to recruit employees, um, getting your messaging out there. Start off with the website first and learn to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. And so doing these things, just getting the shell of it up first and then as the business starts coming in, you can start investing into a little bit more of the bells and whistles of a better performing website, of, of hiring somebody internally to start doing podcast recordings, which is a very minimal investment for a lot of companies to make. Um, doing these different strategies and seeing where the market is going and where the attention economy is going. You know, 10 years ago, I could tweet on, I could send out tweets on Twitter and it would be one of those things that I would get a lot of attention very quickly. Yeah. Now, with all of the users that are on that platform, it's a little difficult to get that same attention. Right. So going where the attention is evolving, um, I, you know, TikTok, for example, is, is a great example of how drivers have migrated their own social media influence from say Instagram and Twitter and they've moved it more towards YouTube and TikTok. So right. these are the platforms that they can really take advantage of because that's where the attention is. And so evolving and investing in your business as the as your company grows is a, a great place on where to start. Um, you don't necessarily need a $20,000 website if you have 20 trucks. It just doesn't make yeah. a lot of financial yeah. sense. Um, just making sure that you're, you're, you're putting your messaging out there. I have a client of mine that built their site for less than $500 and they did it themselves wow. and they're truck drivers. And That's so awesome. it's, it's proving that you can convey the awards that you've received, um, that putting a, a picture behind an email, I, you're, you're putting a face to a name and, and that's been the number one way for them to grow. And, and now they, they started off with me with 25 trucks and now mm -hmm. they have more than 50. And wow. so it's just a good example of how, you know, they, they did what they could and they figured out the problem and they solved the problem internally before they, they were, they got to a place where they could afford to make that investment in uh, a service like mine. Mm -hmm. So, so I heard you say, you know, once, you know, update your website to start small and then, you know, there's, 
a couple of things that you stood out that said it kind of parlayed into, you know, the, the process that you spoke through, but, you know, one of the main things that you talked about that I absolutely would, would advocate for is really talking about people, um, on your website, talking about your values, right. And, and putting the things that matter first, right. What do you do? Right. Um, who are you and, and why are you doing it? Like mm-hmm. if you can put those things, uh, up front first, I think, man, that that's just going to speak to so much to what people want to know, right? If I'm a, as a prospect or a prospective client, like, you know, I want to know those things really fast. We, we talked about this earlier offline, like we're in such an attention culture where, I mean, like my attention span is short. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to figure out what's going on very quickly. And if I can't, like, uh, you probably know stats on this better than I do, but like, I'm going to leave that website without getting the information that I want and then, I, you know, I may never visit again because I'm confused, right? Most of the time when people come to a website, they're looking for what can you do for me? And then who are you? And the, okay. the first part is very critical because when a lot of people have their website and rightfully so, it should talk about you. But ultimately, you're, you're speaking to your target audience of how you can help solve their problems. And, and so knowing that, switching some of your terminology around to where it appeals to how your businesses tackle or how your business tackles the problems of your target audience is key number one. But then looking across the data of all of my clients and my sites included, the second visited page after somebody arrives either on your homepage or through a blog post, the next page they're going to is your about us page because they want to know who you are. So they come in for a specific reason, probably an article covering, you know, maybe something that you, you, you spoke about, or, or maybe they heard about your company in passing. So they just go directly to the homepage, but the next page that they visit is the about us page. So they want to know how can you help them? And then who are you? So it always starts your, your, your branding on your website and even your, some of your social media content should be mainly focused on your target audience and how you help them. Yeah. And, and I mean, recruiting much like sales is, is this somebody that I want to do business with? Is this someone that I want to work with and see every day? Can I relate to them? Right. So seeing someone's face and their background and their experiences, that is incredibly meaningful. Uh, and the more that you can put those um, out there for people to try to relate to or connect with, the more likely they're going to either say, hey, yes, I'm very interested or no, I'm not. Interested. And either one is good, in my opinion, as someone on the recruiting side, because obviously, if someone, if you are on completely different planets from someone from like, let's just say a values and background standpoint, that's okay, right? Like you'd rather find that out um, and they make their decision pre-buy than two months into trying to work together and realize like, hey, our values are just not even the same. And we we didn't figure that out. So I think it's, and you, I'm curious your opinion on this, but I think putting it out there and saying, hey, here's who I am, here's my background, here's my values. I think it's helpful when people making that purchase decision personally. Right. Because if you don't put that out there and then you find out what after the fourth or fifth sales call and you're hoping to close this deal soon and then you find out something that you just doesn't sit right with you or maybe a service offering that just isn't compatible whatsoever, you just wasted all of that time right. when you could have saved yourself time by just putting that information directly out there for anybody to read. And then that way, when they do come to your site, if they do ultimately convert on, on you know, picking up the phone, sending you an email, filling out, you know, a demo, request form, any of those things, they should ultimately know your values before they do any of those things. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting your time and you're wasting theirs too. Yeah. 
hundred percent agree with that. And, and this is maybe a twofold question to follow up on that. But like one is, um, you know, to connect with people, how important is video? And then two is, you know, should people or should companies, organizations have a recruiting funnel, much like they have a marketing or sales funnel um, with their website? I think... I think that the recruiting angle comes from the storytelling. And so if you are able to set up you maybe your executive team, um, the, the, the people who are the subject matter experts within your company. So maybe it's uh, you have a tech team that knows how to secure your TMS. Maybe you have um, a, you know, a brokerage team that knows how to cold call a little bit better. So putting those different subject matter experts and putting that into your storytelling, I think ultimately that the side effect is, is that your recruiting increases and that it gets better um, because you're introducing your company as a subject matter expert on, on different aspects within your company. But you're also, if you do it right, you're doing it in a way that doesn't feel salesy. You're, you're warming up somebody that was a cold audience into a warm audience. So then that way, ultimately, you get to the point where word of mouth and your content that you're already putting out there is, is a way for your audience to know you. And then when they ultimately convert on the site, they already know all of your values. They already know what you stand for. And so that conversion to customer is incredibly more easy than, say, um, a company that is going to invest $5,000 into an ebook on a case study and right. that that person's going to download that ebook and then your sales team is going to reach out to that customer because they converted on your site, but they weren't in exactly in a buying mood. They're in an informational mood. They want to know more about your company, but they're not ready to buy yet. So putting the, the information that um, sto storytelling from a, a web content aspect is, is a way to sort of help your sales team get those better leads that ultimately become customers. And then the side effect of it is your recruiting is easier because then you have people that are paying attention to your company and paying attention to what you're doing before you ever even release that you're, you're looking for somebody to fill a role within the company itself. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're creating a, um, almost what I would call like an attention pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. People can follow your company. They can uh, be added to an email list or things like that. And even if not, even if not, they're aware of right. who you are. And one of the most common questions I get, you know, when I'm setting up an interview, for instance, is, is people will ask like, Hey, can you give me a background on the person I'm talking to? You know, who, who are they? Where, you know, what are they, what have they done in the past? You know, do you know anything that they like to do for fun? Right. And um, those are great questions, right? Because right. if I know any of those things, what, what do we want as human? We want common ground, right? I mean, that's why so many times people talk about the weather. When you talk with someone new for the first time or you're standing around, you're like, hey, it's right. But because we want to relate. We want to have common ground. And if you can create that digitally, um, and find something that you're like, man, I, I connect with that person. I relate to that person. Um, I agree with where they're going. I can see that vision. Well, then, like you said, I mean, suddenly I'm halfway down that path when they say, hey, we're hiring. It's like, I'm interested. I, I want to have a conversation and see if that would be something more fulfilling for me uh, and what I already do. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of people when they're trying to join a company, they're not joining it for where they currently are. They're joining it for where they want to become and where they want to be. And so as, totally. as long as you're displaying that in the, in, in, 
on your digital platforms, whether it's through social or whether it's through your website, ideally it's both. Um, but any of your marketing, the way that you're you're conducting business is is creating that pipeline that ultimately will close at a better rate than just you know blindly just sending uh, job post offerings out to the you know the indeeds of the world. Right. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Uh, last question on this before we um, kind of you know, uh, wrap up here a little bit. What are some of the things that you see um, companies doing wrong, right? I mean, obviously, if your website is from, you know, um, when the internet just started, obviously, that's, that's an issue. But like, are there just some main things, be it recruiting or sales? What are some main things that you're like, man, that's, that's something you could improve quickly? I would say probably the terminology is a big deal for this industry because there's so much terminology to learn. And when you go, when you try to break it down on your site, uh, what I notice with a lot of different, especially uh, logistics-based websites is that they're very wordy. And our attention spans are not that long anymore. And so having a, a website that is filled with jargon that your target audience might not understand, the majority of the US-based audience reads at an eighth grade reading level. And so we have to be able to accommodate that with how we talk about our product. One of the, the, the bigger subreddits on, on Reddit is explain it like I'm five. Your website should be explaining who you are and what you do like you're explaining it to a five-year-old. You know, don't cut it down. I mean, obviously not a real five-year-old, but you want to be able to I'm make sure... i about my that... reading skills right now as you're talking. <laughs> so I got to go take one of these tests. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, a, you, don't be too wordy. Yeah. Uh, respect that we are in an attention-driven economy. And so if you're not capturing that person's attention within the first five seconds, they're probably going to leave your site anyways. And so as long as you're explaining what you do and why you're different and your values from a, a very concise manner, I think that that... that uh, strategy will take you a lot further than a lot of companies out there. Because right now, it's almost like information overload with a lot of different companies. And I deal with it with, with some of my own clients where they want to so badly educate their audience. And I get that. But they do it in a way that they're not going to get attention and that ultimately the reader is going to become bored after a few sentences and they're just going to move away from the site altogether. So making it clear and concise and then just knowing what works best by looking at your analytics and then capitalizing on what works best by repeating that process. So adding more services related pages, um, adding more, more blog posts, more videos, because that helps with your SEO rankings as well. So doing these different strategies, you don't have to do them all at once and all do them all very well, but have a handful of pages on your site that explain exactly what you do and do it in a, in a concise manner that also conveys the values that you're you're trying to attract as well. I'm taking mental notes here just for my, <laughs> for my own. So, no, but I I that makes all the sense in the world because I can even think you know whether it's my own sales calls or sales uh, I've done in the past. It's human nature for us just to be one alike. I just want to spill all the things that I know, right? Like, and here is why I have all this special knowledge and I'm ultra qualified and on and on and on and on and on. Um, but sometimes that clear and concise messaging is so much better just simply because if you want to have a deeper conversation, we can talk about it, but tell me what I need to know first and right. then we can dig in is kind of what I'm hearing. It's like, what are you struggling with and how can I make the copy on my site 
help alleviate those concerns that we are the right business to partner with, with whatever respect, whatever industry you're working with. Because I mean, even though we're in a B2B world, ultimately people do business with people. And so you have yeah. to speak to people like you're not you know, a 40-year industry vet because some of these people you might be speaking to might be you know, a, a SaaS-based company that just arrived into the logistics space yeah. a year ago. So maybe they don't understand all the jargon that you're right. talking about. Or maybe it's an e-commerce store that's growing and they need additional shipping solutions. They don't know what LTL means or what reefer <laughs> right. means. Right. They just need their, sh- their stuff shipped. Right. And so being able to simplify it in a way that is not, I mean, you don't want to, it's kind of like a fine line. You don't want to treat your audience like they're dumb, but then you also want to treat them in a, in a way that they can learn more gradually from you because then you're establishing a different level of trust that you can be the educational source to them to know that, hey, I can pick up the phone and I can call this company and they're not going to send a sales team down my throat you know, every other day badgering me to get business where it can be that casual relationship that evolves into something more over time. Um, I understand that's probably not the best case to take for a lot of bigger companies who just want to hit the pavement and they want to hit it hard. And I get that aspect, but we live in a world that is, there's never been more power in the buyer's hand than right now. And right. when I talk about a buyer, I'm talking about your customers, um, the, the employees that you're trying to recruit, things like that, where they they have the information at their fingertips. They can Google the reviews right. on your business. They can re- Google the reviews on your competitors. So if you want to establish that relationship early on with them, that it evolves into something more, be that educational source for them. And, and not just from a, this is the services that we offer, but these are the values and this is why all of this is important to us. Absolutely. I mean, that the simplicity um, is helpful because hey, if you could solve this problem now and I can depend on you for that, chances are I can depend on you for your advice on my next problem. Right. Uh, or I'll think of you for that too. So that's Then great. the trust level is established too. Absolutely. You've got to start a relationship somewhere. Um, exactly. So, hey, let's talk about where you can help me first and foremost. So you bet. But awesome info, awesome um, you know, advice. I appreciate it. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, what advice would you give to yourself if you were stepping back into your shoes before you got into transportation, you're getting started into career and to those who might be listening, thinking like, you know, how do I even get to, you know, um, an awesome opportunity down the road where I want to be, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? Oh gosh, Uh, past advice. I would tell myself to get on video a lot sooner than I did. I think I was a little bit um, of a writing elitist back in the day um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, people tried to get me on video and they tried to, to get me to convey my message in a different format. I was used to writing and I've been a writer my whole life. And although I believe that that is still a foundational skill that every person that is creating content should have, I wish I would have been uh, braver back in the day to try out a new medium sooner. I was kind of dragged kicking and screaming into the broadcasting Mm -hmm. world. Um, But it was something that I took head on and I dove into and I learned as much as I could. And also recognizing that you're not going to be perfect when you first start off. You have to get those reps in. And I think that that's an issue or a fear that a lot of companies have before they start out on their content journey, Um, before they start creating videos, showing their expertise, knowledge that they already have. They're afraid to get out there and get that message 
stage out there because they're afraid of a camera. They're afraid, well, what if nobody likes it? What if nobody engages with it? You got to get the reps. You're not going to be, you know, Tom Brady as soon as he steps out onto the field. You have to get those practice reps in. Otherwise, you're not going to get better about conveying your message in the future. I think it's really helpful. And I mean, just as from a recruiting and, um, you know, career person, the world I live in, like personal branding, like you talked about, I mean, you, you have to start creating content that revolves around who you want to be if you want to be somewhere, right? Right. And, and it means, I mean, for some that's getting on video, for some that means writing, but like, if you don't start, you're never going to get there. Um, but you got to get reps. You got to start doing it. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy, but do it, do it. Everybody has the same services. Everybody has the same rates. What's going to differentiate you is you and the stories within your own company. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. Um, and then I guess, you know, my last question is, are there any books that you've read? Um, and I'm a big reader. I love to constantly learn. We talked about online courses and and hopefully you can tell us a little bit about that as we wrap up to kind of what you offer there, but any books that, you know, have been really impactful, um, that, you know, you've read, uh, over your career? Oh, goodness. Um, I would say, so I have a couple in, um, for the podcasting audience, I have a whole bookshelf that's behind okay. me where a lot of books that I've started and then didn't quite finish. But the one that I did finish was uh, Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. He is sort of um, an SEO guy. He started off in the mm-hmm. SEO world at Moz. He has a new company called Spartoro that I'm a big fan of. Um, but he really talks about the, the journey of owning a business and fa- fa- founding it being a founder and how nobody talk, everybody talks about the glamorous side of things and nobody really talks about the realism behind it that mm-hmm. a lot of times being an entrepreneur is very lonely. Um, you're working by yourself. You're working late nights. You're saying, you know, it, I mean, obviously we, we still live in a COVID world, but you're saying no to the happy hours. You're saying no to, you know, going on vacations because you are so driven and you're so focused. Um, so he really sheds a light on the different side, the unglamorous side of being an entrepreneur and how how you can battle through those and get back to a place where you have a, a good quality of life balance. And I think that if we've learned anything over the last year is that, you know, we, we shouldn't be so obsessed with working our lives away. Yeah, yes, yeah. you should be passionate, but working our lives away where we're working 80, 100 hours a week yeah. is just going to lead to an early grave. It's in, and then you're <laughs> going to wake up at 70 years old and say, well, what happened to my life? So finding that balance is, um, is what really sort of drove that home with me with that particular book. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, while, while we're on that, obviously we talked about books being impactful and, and uh, you offer, um, I think, a digital freight playbook, right? That I say it right? Yeah, well, I, I, you kind of did because okay. I uh, launched a product called Freight School Playbook last yeah, summer Playbook. that teaches uh, content marketing and um, website development and things like that and things that you should be looking out for from an introductory standpoint of uh, maybe you have a website that's more than three years old uh, and you know you need to make some updates to it, but you're not sure where to start. So a lot of my courses start off at the very basic beginner level and um, work uh, eventually will work into more of an advanced type uh, situation where you can learn more outside of just the basics. I'm actually in the process of merging that site into the digital dispatch site, um, mostly because a lot of the early feedback from my clients was, uh, we don't want more than one place to log in. So 
Being a good business owner, I got to listen to my customer feedback. And uh, so in the process of combining those two platforms together so that it will all live within the digital dispatch ecosystem. And then that way, if um, if you ever join or purchase a course from me in the future, then that way you will have one place that you log in instead of two got different it. places, which was a little, probably a little confusing. <laughs> um, but you don't learn until you try. Um, so that's what I learned. And that's what I'm I'm working on fixing right now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, and I think you'll love another show I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Freight Waves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or again over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Brunleven. I will see you real soon.